This is the Oil & Gas Startups Podcast, where we showcase emerging technology and the stories of industry founders, investors, and leaders with your hosts, Jake Corley and Colin McClelland. Or whatever, you know, if someone screwed up, you know, like pop, you know, pull them out, pull them out, <laughs> take them off. Dude, I grew up, I grew up in College Station and had no exposure to oil growing up whatsoever. Really? None. See, I grew up so I grew up in it. My granddad uh so my great granddad was the first person in business that actually apparently pulled cable tool rigs, moved cable tool rigs in East Texas with mules back in like the twenties. Damn. And then my dad got into it back in the eighties. And his boss apparently is uh, guy. Oh shit! I guess. Hey, Mac, are we recording? Oh no. shit! I didn't even... Okay, yeah. I did, I didn't know if we were good or not. No, this is funny though. Um, but yeah, there was uh, like his name's Mac Young, giant man, and uh, and I guess his and his him and his boss, I guess, were part of the inspiration for uh, the show Dallas. Mm-hmm. But anyway, I grew up on the cement tool side, man, and like. My dad started geology, never finished uh, at A and M, and so he kind of got me into it, or whatever. But I mean, those like those stories and stuff, dude. Mm-hmm. Like, especially those cement guys are, you know, dude. My first <laughs> that's a whole other world. The first time I ever remember thinking like, oh, oil and gas industry was, I was in college at Blinn. Um, I didn't make the grades to get in. Yeah, <laughs> I did not take school that seriously. <laughs> now I've dropped out of school like three times. Um, and a buddy of mine, I mean, it probably, you know, 18, 19 years old when it became a mud logger. Okay. Right. Yeah. He came back and next thing you know, he's got, he's got a new truck and he's got a new car and he's got yeah. toys and we're 18 years old. I'm like, where the fuck is this guy getting money from? Yeah. And he's like, oh, I've been doing this mud logging shit. And I was like, drugs. I don't care <laughs> what mud logging is, but I want to go do that. I want to yeah. go get in that industry and make, make some real money. Cause I mean, we were all making money. I mean, we were all servers and bartenders yeah, and yeah. like, you know, not making Where'd anything. Where'd you bartend in call station? I didn't bartend. Oh, Actually, okay. I worked at a computer company, but everybody else that I worked with. Oh, okay. Gotcha, gotcha. So, you know Reynolds and Reynolds? Uh, Used to be Universal Computer Systems. It's like, outside of A&M, it's the biggest employer in all of call station. Okay. Yeah, I didn't pay attention to shit when I was in call station, to be honest. What years were you there? I uh, started in 07, and I got out. In December 10, I got out of semester early, actually. Oh, shit. Yeah. So I, yeah. So I graduated high school in 07, and then I left for the Marine Corps in 2009. So we were there. Oh, yeah. So we, we were there at the same, same time. time. Yeah. yeah. That was back in my quiet days. I didn't really do a whole lot. I was working. I was pretty much just doing school, and then I was working with the athletic department, actually, which is freaking – I'm not really a sports guy, but it was – man, it was awesome. I, I was actually – my last two seasons, so the 09 season and the, and the 10 season – I actually was the guy who locked up Kyle Field, the uh, west side of – no, sorry, the east – I locked up the east side of Kyle Field. And then the west side was one of the concession stand guys. Mm-hmm. It was pretty cool. Like, we got to – yeah, I had a lot of fun there. I didn't really do a whole lot until my last year, and I finally really, like, enjoyed myself. So You know what's crazy? Live there – not my entire – I mean, we moved there when I was, like, five. Never went to a game? Never once went oh, to a game. dude. Like, it's the thing. Like, I'm not even a sports guy, man. I freaking loved it. Like, but my freshman years when we still had Jaborski Lane. Yeah. Dude, freaking Dr- J Train. I mean, he that, lived He lived in my apartment complex. Oh, really? Rowan Ranch. He wasn't that big of a guy either. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, tall wise, we're like that. But I know, you know, we were working, we were like, change, dude, but most of what we did was just change out light bulbs, you know. And honestly, and like, I ended up being kind of one of the bosses of the student workers because. A lot of the student athletes didn't have a whole lot of drive, you know. I mean, yeah. we had a couple that did a pretty good job. We'd always hire, we always had at least one basketball player um, because he could go change light bulbs and we didn't have to give him a, a ladder. <laughs> <laughs> we always had at least one. Got to keep one of those guys on staff. <laughs> yeah, dude. And like he would, just, and they would sit there, and like especially a lot of times they'd sit there and play on a phone. And like one of our, our electrical guys was this real short, real short guy, and. uh uh his name was Ed. He's kind of lazy. He was a help, one of the best brisket guys cooking brisket I've ever met in my life. Um, but he would get up on that ladder and say, Hey man, I need a wrench. And they sit there and just play on their phone and just like just hold up the bag. <laughs> you know? It was pretty funny. It so I'm curious. I'm curious. So you were there for, you know, you were there for a few years. I grew up there. I've come up with a thesis. Okay. Okay. I've come up with it. I've traveled a lot. I've been to a lot of places. And, you know, maybe it's just the fact that it's a college town. That could be true. 
but I feel like I've never seen such a high concentration of beautiful women anywhere else in the world. Yeah, I guess. I mean, honestly, man, I had a, I had the same girlfriend. I take it for granted. Her, so. Yeah. Oh, I definitely did. That's it. Yeah. No, I hundred percent did. Yeah. Well, then I went from a. And if my wife's listening to your smoke show, it's nothing against you. I'm just saying. I took it for granted then. Oh, no, I definitely did. Well, then I went from there to freaking Mines. And when I got into Mines, it was, they had, my first year there was, what, 2011? And that was the new record for the most women at the school. And I think it was a whopping 26%, right? And it's all engineering and stuff like that. So, yeah, so I went from A&M just kind of like, oh, you know, just kind of whatever, doing my mm-hmm. thing, nothing crazy. And then got up to Mines and just like, oh, guys, like, I might have messed up here because <laughs> like I dated the same girl all the way through A&M, like all the way through A&M. And then we broke up right like in between because I, I graduated in December of 10. I worked for QEP or interned for QEP like full time in OKC when they still had that office until I started grad school in like August of 11. Right. And during that time, we, we ended up breaking up. And then I was like, well, I'll go to Colorado, whatever, new school, all that stuff, mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. And then get up there and just like, Wow, this is uh, this is not what I was expecting because I I didn't even I like accepted grad school and everything hadn't even been on the campus right I just did it just off whatever reputation I guess and yeah. we had a and I had a good project to start on I but think yeah, we're gonna leave like, I think we're gonna leave most of this conversation in the oh, show yeah. <laughs> but for those of you first turning in this is the oil and gas artist podcast I'm actually doing a solo today Colin got double booked but uh, if you're curious who I'm sitting here chatting with we got Brian McDowell from Sabata is it Sabata by yeah, itself Sabata Technology Sabata Energy Consultants. Where'd that name come from? So my first LLC that I started doing some little real estate stuff down here in Houston is called LVC Land Co. Um, and the reason for that, I really like spaghetti westerns. And um, I thought you were going to say just spaghetti at first. I didn't oh, no. Nah, that, I love spaghetti what... and I'm like, oh, we're just going. <laughs> no, so the um, – anyways, if you look through those spaghetti westerns, there's one guy that consistently see is like the bad dude in like a lot of the movies, a guy named yeah. Lee Van Cleef, right? So if you've ever watched The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly. Is he kind of like a Bruce Dern? Uh, I don't know. Oh, man. I have to see the face. I'm oh. terrible at names. Uh, <laughs> You'd recognize him. Okay. He was in Cowboys? I don't know. With John Wayne? Or with all the oh, kids? Oh, dude, yeah. He's the bad guy in that one? Okay. He was, yeah. a bad, he was like in almost every Western, he was the bad guy. See, okay, see, I never watched a whole lot of the John Ford movies. Like, I like John, it was like, it was pretty interestingly, all those Westerns that John Wayne was in, John yeah. Ford. Like, I like them. I liked, uh, what's, um, Comancheros. Like, I watched Comancheros like a mm-hmm. million times, but, but yeah, um, I had to go back and look afterwards. But anyways, so the so he was the bad guy most of the spaghetti westerns. He's if you watch the good and the bad, the ugly, he's the bad, right? Mm. At the very end, you know, he's got the real kind of uh, what do they say, like a hawk hawkish nose and really squinty yeah. eyes and stuff like that. Anyway, so the first company's called LVC for Lee Van Cleef, right? It's like on his headstone, it literally says the best of the bad, which is I always thought was cool. And so after that, all my LLCs I've been naming after characters. Uh, that he was in in movies. Mm. So when I started, I was using that LVC code for some consulting stuff and it was kind of blowing up a little bit. So I needed to kind of separate it out. I'm half Mexican. So I wanted something that kind of sounded Spanish. And Sabata was like this really crappy trilogy that he did mm-hmm. at the very dying days of spaghetti Westerns in like the early seventies. And like, well, sounds kind of cool. So, I mean, I don't think it sounds cool. Don't recommend doing that afterwards. Cause it's very hard to get a domain name. So if yeah, you look at our yeah. stuff, it's sabata.us because you cannot buy any version of .com or anything like that with that. Which is funny because we were Googling Sabata and we could not find you guys anywhere. So oh, we got to yeah. work, work on that. Um, but then Stephanie was like, oh, it's sabata.us like from, from the yeah. back. And so then we found a website. Yep, exactly. Um, <laughs> no, that's, that's super interesting. So, Rika, I'm, I know what you guys do, but how do you guys kind of pitch yourself? Yeah, so um, – we were actually talking about this the other day. We call ourselves an ultra lean startup, which honestly is might be might be a bit of a overstatement. Um, I started the whole thing a year ago. There's five partners in there. There's really only two of us that are full time. The rest of everybody else is mostly silent, helps us out with little things here and there. Mm-hmm. Um, but what we're trying to do is really, um, I guess, become kind of the anti-hero of oil and gas data, right? Um, as the last five years, you've looked most, I'd say probably probably a third of all shale companies are gone either by acquisitions, mergers, bankruptcies, mm-hmm. whatever. Um, and as that's happened, a lot of the data products that are out there are still priced at where things were four or five years ago when you had, you know, I mean, when the 
the list of public companies on RBC Richardson Bar was this long, right? Now it's like this long, right? And so those so prices, right? <laughs> I mean, so like true. it's gotten so much smaller yeah. over the years. You don't have to scroll anymore. Yeah, no, exactly. You can see it on one screen. I mean, I can damn near see it on my iPhone, you know? Oh. <laughs> but anyways, um, and so w- what we were seeing, I was a technical advisor at, at a small uh, private shop in, in, uh, or in the Midland Basin, based out of Denver. And what we ended up, what we were seeing is like, we'd have all these people that would come up and try to pitch us these like real big machine learning models, or AI models or whatever like that. But like, they're like, dude, we're like a small shop. We do not need, you know, like a $50,000 product. Like we just need really simple stuff. And so during COVID, when I started my own thing, it's like, it was like, all right, you know, what we were seeing is that a lot of people were going away from shale and every layoff created about three other companies. Mm-hmm. And a lot of them were going back to verticals. Yeah. And if you're getting in that space, there's a ton of data up there. Most of it's dark, you know, it's on paper or if it's there, if there's a digital copy, it's stuffed in a drive somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what I love about vertical wells. What's that? Tried and true. Oh yeah. Save the strippers, man. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's, I mean, think about it. Like, I mean, we, we, it's very easy to think that shale's been around forever, man. It's only been around like, I mean, the shale years. itself has been around for billions of years, but I'm saying like as an industry, 10, it's only been years. around, yeah, 10, 15 years yeah. max. I mean, yeah. you got to think that the industry was thriving. Obviously we have downturns, but on vertical wells. Yeah. You know? And now that that's like the contrarian play, it's like I, well, for so long it was unsexy. Now it's sexy again. I totally opinion. agree. And that's what we're seeing right now in Midland, or at least what I'm seeing is you're seeing like a re-diversification of the oil field, right? I mean, it's been, shale has been the religion for for 10 years, right? And it's like, it's kind of like Game of Thrones, right? The old gods versus the new gods. Well, I feel like people are going back to the old gods again, right? Going mm-hmm. after, you're seeing re-specialization and tie gas sand, water floods, CO2 floods, you know, the old sprayberry trend stuff and all this. The problem is there's not- I'm super bullish on EOR. What's that? I'm super bullish on EOR. And- general or in just in general or, yeah. just in general oh I, I agree especially with all the sequestration talk going yeah. on um but what we were seeing is that there's not really there you have essentially this that kind of um small shop mom and pop company part of the industry is actually growing yeah but there's no one really trying to fill that niche and mm-hmm. so our thing is essentially we're trying to get in there and it's like hey you know we are not aws or whoever is going to build you this big huge fancy whatever we're here to do kind of the the blue collar engineering or the blue collar geology that most small shops need. And frankly, there's not a whole lot of people that do it. You know, it's hard to kind of scale. It's hard to build, you know, billion dollar company off of something like that. And for us, what we ended up starting was buying this library, um, oil and gas library out in Midland. And we essentially use that as a seed crystal to kind of build that data to where we can do consulting and the data side, right? If you want straight data, we'll sell you that. If you want data services, we can do that. You know, we uh, manage over a million well logs right now mm-hmm. with literally two people and a ton of stuff on the cloud, ton of cloud processing. Um, or if you want to do the consulting, we can come in and we'll actually bring this huge data set with us too. Mm-hmm. And what I see is a lot of times the data companies, it's pure data, you know, they'll put out some tops and some consulting stuff, but no one ever believes it, right? You got pure consultants, a lot of technical expertise, but they don't own their data. They rely on the client. What we're trying mm-hmm. to do is a little bit of both and really drop kind of down below the radar and kind of find that sweet spot we're working with is kind of five to maybe hundred person companies, you know, and just like, Hey, you know, it's like, I don't know if you've ever seen from hell or high water, you know, they go in and they order those steaks and the, the old crusty waitress, like, what don't you want? Yeah. You know, <laughs> that's kind of what we was like, Hey, you know, what don't you want? You know, you want us to build spot fire dashboards done. Uh, you want just a data directory of all the well logs that are in the Permian basin done you know you want us to go straighten rasters and pick all right we can do that too you know mm-hmm. you want to do like really hardcore frack hit analysis we can do that i mean we're talking we got a partner with frack pro on this stuff we're talking with cmg about partnering up yeah. on reservoir simulation yeah. for small companies i mean i think there's a huge part of the industry is just like totally underserved and that part is just getting bigger and bigger and bigger dude i could not agree more you've you've absolutely nailed it from like you said, all these layoffs spurs, you know, a lot of these these more mom and pop shops that are kind of popping up. We're seeing tons of those. Um, I can't tell you how many guys that either have gotten laid off, took some kind of severance packages that was seed money, paired up with some other guys, went and bought some some old conventional assets. Or I'm seeing pumpers who are just going out there and actually acquiring wells for themselves, reworking these. Like there's so much opportunity. And I think that, you know, what is what does my data data look like outside of, you know, sitting here and podcasting is, you know, talking to a lot of companies kind of behind the scenes about what they're working on and, you know, how they're getting onto the market. And it's so easy for these companies to get focused on. I'm gonna sell to Chevron and Exxon and, and all the all the super majors and all the large caps. 
And it's like you realize that your total addressable market is extremely small. Your sales cycles are extremely long. They're going to squeeze you for every nickel, and they're going to demand the absolute best service. Whenever, like you said, there's this entire underserved market. I mean, the bulk of ENPs in the United States are these mom and pop strip well operations. Hundred percent. I mean, so actually, I just look. I was on a, a pivoting panel for APG on on Wednesday, and um, I looked up. I was looking on the stripper. You know, there's a stripper well association, right? Yeah. And I was looking up the stats they've got on their webpage. So they said and I think I'm going to get these numbers right, is that uh, stripper wells account for something like 8% of all oil and gas production in the U.S., right? Pretty good chunk, but not an enormous chunk, right? Mm -hmm. But they account for 76% of the total well count, right? Yeah. That's a, that's a big deal. And as people are trying to, one, pivot into this stuff, but number two, everyone's talking about like carbon sequestration, and geothermal and mm -hmm. hydrogen storage and all this stuff, those old verticals, you are not going out. I mean, with exception, you talk about EOR, you know, there is some EOR product projects, successful projects in shale, but for the most part, you're not pumping, you know, megatons or whatever the unit is of CO2 into Nano Darcy Rock. You're going to go put it in and uh, the most permeable stuff that you can find with really good seals. Well, what is that? That's these old fields that are 100 years old, mm -hmm. right, that people have literally forgotten about. I mean, you can't even find the well spots on the Railroad Commission website. And I cannot tell you, you know, we bought this, this library, right? Some of our stuff, the earliest stuff that we've got goes back to the 20s. A lot of it picks up in the 40s. And I was showing someone around uh, actually last week during, mm -hmm. uh, during y'all's tech night or right before the tech night. And we pulled a random completion card, right? Which just has all DST data, perforations, blah, blah, blah. And they're like, why do, you, why do we care about this crap? And I was like, oh, look at this. And I, I'm not even joking. Pulled something out at random. And I was like, look, this card has five DSTs on it, right? Three, two or three of which had oil shows. And like, all right, well, that's cool. And I was like, yeah. You see the date there? Like, yeah, 1950s. Like, all right, you see what's underneath it? Like, and it's like plugged and abandoned. Dude's like, this is a direct, you talk about a direct hydrocarbon indicator. Dude, if you're going out there and drilling these wells with like just a, a single, you know, uh, rig, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, these are cheap wells. And some of this stuff is like 3,000 foot deep. Like maybe someone came back in afterwards, but that's what you care about, man. I mm -hmm. mean, there's a lot of opportunity out there. Think about macro, okay? We're not discovering any new plays, right? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely slowed down. I mean, there's always more out there, but yeah, yeah. I've been general. I've Nothing, nobody's going out there discovering a new Permian Basin, a new Buck, and a new Marcellus. Well, and I think, too, is like we've all got 10 years, 15 years of drilling inventory. No one wants to go spend another billion dollars to go find a new field. I mean, yeah. it, you know, I mean, you yeah. do, but you don't, right? You don't. I mean, you're going to have to invest. No, not after what we've just <laughs> been streets. through, yeah. you know? Yeah. <laughs> we're, still, we're, still, we're still clawing our way out of, of 2020. Oh, yeah. Okay, 100%. so you got to think about where, where, I mean, where's the lowest hanging fruit? Yeah. Like you said, wells that have already been drilled, wells have been plugged and abandoned. There's a lot of shows. Why don't we go back into some of these? Yeah. You know what's interesting to me, and I'm totally part of that too. So I'm 32, about to turn 33. I've been working oil business, exploration side, you know, interning and all that good stuff since 2011, right? So uh, actually, yeah, right at 10, uh, just a little, a little over 11, uh, 10 years, mm -hmm. right? I used to tell people that I have never worked above a micro Darcy of permeability, right? Because the highest perm I've ever worked was tight gas sands for my PhD, right? And that is totally common. There's a lot of people out there my age, younger, a few years older than me, that all they've done is shale. Well, if most of the activity in shale is gone, you got kind of two choices. You either got to retool for the new stuff or mm -hmm. uh, the, the new, new thing, right? Or you've got, or you leave the industry, right? I mean, yeah. that's what we're seeing. And I think a lot, you know, we bought this, like I said, I keep going back to buying this library. I had spent like a whopping maybe two or three days in a library and a traditional oil and gas like library, my entire career over 10 years, right? Before this. And now what I'm seeing is there's a lot of us, I was just having coffee uh, with a guy this morning. Um, same thing, you know, it's like, we've never worked this stuff. There's a lot of opportunity. Uh, a lot of the old guys and gals are retiring and they're, gone and they're not coming back and like now we're going back to what the oil industry was for the first 130 years and most of us have never even worked it i mean so the mentor a lot of the mentors are gone mm -hmm. or retired 
And like you got all this opportunity, it's just a scramble trying to essentially relearn what we've, I think a lot of us have either lost or never learned to begin with over the last 10 or 15 years. I mean, we're going to these libraries and we do a lot of cloud stuff. You know, it's pretty straightforward, but you know, some of these libraries, I mean, you have a lot of people that have worked on those things for 30 years. I mean, they barely work an Excel sheet and there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, they have mm. uh, their knowledge of oil and gas data is so deep, right? You know, you can only specialize in uh, one or two things. And we're going in there's like, hey, we can do this. We can do all this really fancy image processing and build all these machines and blah, blah, blah. But at the end of the day, like, we still need someone to kind of teach us what we're looking at, right? Yeah. And this is really where we're doing these pilot projects where we're trying to lean off each other. Like, hey, y'all got this big thing. You know your data. You've literally run this thing for 60, 70 years, whatever, 50 years. Um, they want to monetize it, don't know how to do it. We want to monetize it too. We can learn how to scale everything digitally, but we still, someone still has to learn like, what are we looking at a lot of the times? So expand upon that a little bit. So you're saying that companies are coming to you guys with additional data. So you guys have your library that you just bought. You said it was like tons and tons of data going back to like the forties or something, yeah. right? But you're also having operators that have say maybe their own logs that are wanting to maybe contribute to this or, and you guys are collectively going to monetize and kind of learn from that or yes am i getting it right or no yes so it's okay. a little bit of everything right so the way that you look at it now there's um most oil and gas data is split up into kind of five places you got the regulatory agencies uh you've got the service companies just really good at data yeah data oh, they're amazing <laughs> the railroad commission just you know yeah. god <laughs> the only one worse than uh it's like oklahoma is like oh, it's worse yeah it's worse than ours the beg's cuttings and coreless is uh, it's impressively bad like i don't think i could actually make it worse if i did it purposely like just pulling those you data know, lists. i don't know if you know we had wells in oklahoma that we operated and i found myself at the occ in person <laughs> way more times than i wanted to oh, yeah. and they're like you guys don't own these wells and i'm like yes we do yeah <laughs> like, no you don't and i'm like yes we do i promise you they're like, well, we have no file of it. And I'm like, well, that's your problem, not mine. I got a buddy in <laughs> I'm going to digress for one second. I had a buddy in San Angelo <laughs> that bought some uh, property out, in, I think it was in Crockett, Crockett County. It might have been Glasscock. And he's going out there and he's calling me. He's like, man, he's like, there's like 15 extra wells out here that are on the Railroad Commission website. I was like, what do you mean? He goes, well, apparently some old guy came out here in the 70s and just started punk punching holes. <laughs> and uh, if he didn't find oil, he just told him he drilled a water well <laughs> and, he, and he found oil. He's like, man, that's an oil man if I ever heard one. <laughs> He's like, if I found oil, he's like, oh. And then he sent in a permit, you know, after yeah. it was already drilled and proven. And they'd send the permit back and then they'd turn it on. He's like, dude, he's like, we're finding like these holes all over the place that are supposedly water wells, you know? I mean, anyway, it's crazy, that sort of thing. But anyway, so you have most of this data, and it's like, it's regulatory agencies, it's in service companies, IHS, TGS, whatever, uh, operators, okay? You've got universities, oil and gas libraries, uh, and then what's my last one? Oh, private collection. Dude, yeah. I cannot tell you how many people just have, like, a, a garage full of logs, right? So the problem is the anybody can go scrape data now right i mean the mm -hmm. the barrier to entry on python and all that stuff is much much lower now i think we all at least started a python course during covid and most mm -hmm. of us didn't finish right yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you know if it's available online like we can go download it, we scrape it right mm -hmm. we've done for about a million well logs so far um then there's the paper data a lot of times you can buy it so we bought one of the lo log libraries midland about half a million well logs about a million completion cards which is only the third largest library in Midland. Okay. So that takes kind of another, there's another one there. Mm -hmm. Universities, um, that depends. Some universities do a good job of it. Some of them don't. Service companies, they're only going to share it, obviously, if you pay them. Uh, and then operators usually on data trades. Okay. So what we've been trying to do is essentially, I, I worked uh, part-time for Simrex in New Ventures when I was in grad school. And, you know, a lot of times we see these, these deals come across from the BD guys and say, Hey, there's this big acreage block out where, you know, whatever, where Jesus lost his slippers, mm -hmm. you know, um, you got 10 days or two weeks to come up with a deal, what it's worth and how much you want to put money in and like scrambling, like, you know, if it's someone like, I don't know, like Nevada or something like who even regulates that stuff. So you yeah. spend a week just trying to track down what's available. So this place where there's like Indian lands, like Utah, you're dealing oh, with a reservation. Oh, God, oh yeah. I mean, it's just like, I mean, we're looking at Maryland stuff the other day. I was asking. Maryland? 
Yeah, we do helium stuff. So okay. we, you, you follow helium, you ended up in really wild areas. Um, this episode is brought to you by our friends over at Liquid Frameworks. Liquid Frameworks has become the standard in field operations management software over the past decade with their FieldFX platform. With FieldFX, ENPs and OFS companies can transform how they manage and control field operations while eliminating the mountains of paperwork that comes along with it. FieldFX makes field operations easy and efficient by streamlining communication between the accounting department, field operations, and the entire back office. They're trusted by some of the most respected teams in the industry, such as Stallion Oil Field Services, Superior Energy Services, RPC, Basic Energy Services, Key Energy Services, Liberty Oil Field Services, and anybody else who has services in their name is pretty much a customer. So if you've been thinking about ditching paper on Excel, modernizing your field operations and making your guys' lives easier, reach out to the team over there. You can check them out at liquidframeworks.com. They're also going to be the headlining sponsor and presenting at Energy Tech Night Houston on October 27th, 2021. So if you're listening real time, you can come and check them out. They're going to be demoing the software live as well. The whole team will be there if you want to chat with them. Like I said, you can go to liquidframeworks.com. We'll also leave a link in the show notes. There's no oil wells in Maryland, are there? There is no, there's definitely some wells that have been drilled. Really? I don't think there's any productive wells, but no, there's definitely wells okay. that have been drilled 100%. Interesting. Uh, with shows and stuff. I mean, it's all faulted up and everything's yeah. east side of the Appalachians. But yeah. But anyways, so, anyways, I got really tired. We go and scramble and try to find everything that's available. And the problem is you're going through like 15 different websites. Okay. And, and usually none of them are very good. Oh, no. I mean, most of them. There's like major gaping holes in data sets. Yeah, they usually right? range from bad to like just, oh, my gosh, is this even yeah. like, I can't even open this Excel file. It's so yeah. old kind of thing, right? And so when all the COVID stuff started, I my PhD is actually all Western Colorado stuff. And we couldn't make any sense of the stratigraphy. So over the course of like five, six years, I went and found all the publications, all the cross sections that were published and compiled it all into just a big table. Well, when I was trying to help some buddies out here in the Permian, trying to find data, I was like, dude, like this stuff's all over the place, blah, blah. So we started piecing it together and kind of making it all talk. And what we realized is that if you really think about it, there is no like yellow pages to go find what data is available. You have to go to like 15, 20, 50 different websites to go find it. And so what we've been doing is gathering anything and everything we could and just getting it all talking into one platform. So if we can buy the data, we buy it. And that paper data, we've got a really cool way of slapping QR codes on it. And we got an iPhone app that actually mm -hmm. helps us index it. Uh, if we can scrape it and actually go download it, we do that. If all we can get is the data list, we grab that too. And then if we find something that's high value that it's just totally dark, there's no catalog of it um there's no digital copies of it whatsoever we just start approaching them and say hey would y'all be interested and we actually come in here we'll index your data totally for free 100 percent for free if you let us essentially sell the listing as a, as a product um that's really geared towards kind of independent operators and you better, take you take a cut they take they, they're able to monetize data that was sitting in the yeah so it, it's kind of two-tier right so the first part of this is kind of the yellow pages thing which we're going live hopefully next month probably charge like 50 bucks a month, right? And I mean, yellow pay, and if I understand you correctly, it's like you're able to like, cause like you said, you're going to 15 different websites to find what you're looking for. You guys have done that work and now you're able to say, if you're looking, you query something, it's almost like you're Google, you query something for certain piece of data in the San Juan basin. Yep. You guys have gone out and said, here's exactly where you can find that data. That's exactly right. So we can go out. Well, that's can, useful as shit. It's insanely useful. And yeah. it's, I, I don't know why it, hasn't been done before i'm not sure it's like i don't know we're either really smart or really dumb for trying this i mean to be honest because like if you want to go out and say i want to find anything and everything that's available in lee county new mexico right you got to go to the railroad commission the beg the usgs the ocd new mexico new mexico tech the midland energy library our library the subsurface library right uh universe well i guess university lands you can get stuff just across the board i mean the, all this stuff right and they all report it differently varying degrees and so with ours you can go and say i want everything that's available in lee county new mexico and you will see everything from everybody if you if it's public we've scraped it you could either go get it your own or if you want to buy it from us we'll sell it to you for like a dollar a lot mm -hmm. or something like that like you know, not $50 a log for stuff that's public, right? Yeah. The idea is that this is really kind of the milk in the grocery store is that it's so convenient and so cheap that we just want the traffic for people coming in uh, to get in there, right? 
But then the real thing that we're trying to scale up, and we've got these pilot projects with the Midland Energy Library and another we're about to start with the Denver Library uh, or the Denver Energy Resources Library, which is the big one for the Rockies, is that we'll go in the index's data, we'll cross-list on our site, you know, we'll sell the data directory for real cheap. It's essentially free advertising for everybody. And then if you want to monetize this, uh, hell, how about you just let us broker the data through our site? Because we have all the well spots in the U.S. and Canada. Mm -hmm. We've got this really nice system of organizing all this stuff. It's all totally talking, 100% standardized up as much as you can get it, right? Just do it through our system. We'll sell it, and we'll just take a little brokerage fee off the top. Because at the end of the day, I don't think we're really going to get you know, we're going to get rich on this stuff. This is mainly to get people in the door for the consulting side, right? Because mm -hmm. as consultants, if you can bring unique data to the table that no one else has, you have a very real competitive advantage in my mm -hmm. opinion, right? Because otherwise, if you're depending on the client and if your client is a startup that started six months ago, you probably don't have a whole lot, right? Yeah. And you're, you don't have the cash to go spend a hundred thousand dollar subscription to get all these logs, right? Mm -hmm. That that's really the key, and everything we try to do is a la carte, right? No, none of these big, huge subscription fees just to get the right to overpay for a well log, right? You can just call us up and say, "Hey, we want everything in these townships." All right, cool. How do you want the files named? Uh, what files do you want? Do you want them straightened? Um, do you want them death registered so you can bring them into Petra? Whatever. Yeah, you know. And uh, so, so the ambition is, I mean, you guys are kind of scratching your own itch here. And it's not necessarily, correct me if I'm wrong, but not necessarily to be this this massive tech company, data provider, but it's more so you guys are building up more of a competitive advantage for the consulting side yeah. because you feel like you have a lot of secret sauce there. Yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, in, in, at the end of the day, it's, it's kind of in stages, right? I mean, to me, the foundation of any good company, right, is you've got to have good data. A lot of data, but a lot of data doesn't mean anything unless you can use it, right? Yeah. So that's kind of the foundation there, right? And that's kind of get people in the door and everything because everyone gets excited about new data that they that's like, oh my gosh, there's a mud log out here I never knew about, right? And then the next stage of that is really building up the consulting. A lot of stuff we've been doing so far is really kind of spot fire dashboards, building some simple databases, yeah. Python scripting, stuff like that. But at the end of the day, you know, we've got, you know, our partners, five people, we've got all, we've got five master's degrees and two and I guess a half PhD for me, you know, mm -hmm. tell everybody we've got more degrees in Russian protractor and the partners, <laughs> you know, but we got everything from really hardcore reservoir engineers all the way to really hardcore geophysicists and really hardcore um, uh, geologists as well. Yeah. So we can start, once we have that data and we own it, we understand it. We can do a lot more with that stuff than most people can mm -hmm. because it's, it's us, it's ours. You know, it's a lot like a restaurant, you know, it's like, you only use a restaurant really, you know, 10, 12 hours out of the day. And the rest of the time is just kind of empty space. So I'm curious, you know, I'm kind of thinking about you guys almost like Google for logs now, as opposed to, to yellow pages. Cause I'm thinking about, yep. you know, Google at one point in time, and I'm sure the product's still going, but they have Google books. Yep. They went through and they indexed every, damn, every book yep. you can possibly imagine. Now you search something, you can find a specific excerpt in a, in a book. Right. So my question would be how far through, or if at all, do you guys go with digitizing some of these 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 paper logs that you guys have? Yeah. Is it hey okay. we're going to scan the whole page, or is it almost like you're you're actually you're scanning and marking and putting in some sort of database exactly where you're seeing shows? Yeah. So for us right now, it's uh, yeah, but I'm, and it could be in phases, right? I'm just curious yeah, as to where it goes. Right? Yeah, and it absolutely is in phases, right? I mean, because like I said, I mean, we're really there's really just two of us that are full time yeah. until we can really get this thing live next month. And then, then we're going after like, go, hopefully we've bootstrapped everything from our own cash, all of it. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, after this, hopefully show people that we can do and then hopefully go and get some real money to really take this to the next level. But the, the fundamentally at the thing is, uh, initially just going through and it's like every log that's out there, we want a photographic record of that log header. Okay. Mm -hmm. So uh, the fundamental unit of anything physical is an image, right? That, yeah. And if you can take an image, it's like seismic. You can reprocess seismic forever and people have, do reprocess it forever, yeah. right? For us, if we can put a QR code on a log header and take a photograph of that as image processing, it's better and better. Right now, like, hey, if you go look, we've got this log, it's in this location, but it, we don't have a log header description or a top depth or a bottom depth of that. But we do have a picture. And so you can go through and you can click on the hyperlink in that thing. It'll hit AWS and you see a log header, right? That's the first step just to mm -hmm. get that part. And then we're the you next. You go zero to one. I mean, that's a huge step. Yeah, exactly. Right? I mean, because even that, as simple as that is, it's not really out there. And we've got some really cool scripts where like all of our well logs are TIFFs. 
we've automatically go through, we open up that TIFF file, you know, big, huge TIFF file, and automatically clip the log header off um, and put it out there. So everything we've got, even if it's free, you can just kind of click through everything instead of having to download, a, you know, a million um, five megabyte files. But what's really cool about that, we're partnering up with a, a buddy of mine, David Thule, who worked, him and his wife started a little company called Geolumina out in Austin. Okay. And they really focus just on uh, image processing for oil and mm. gas, right? So our side is mostly data ingestion, the data munging side of it, the storage, the visualization, right? He's on the processing side. And so we're working together to where this iPhone app that I was talking about, um, we'll take a whole box of logs put a sticker on it, take a photograph of just an iPhone. It's this really fancy, like $100 setup from Amazon. I mean, it's very, <laughs> very scientific. And then it sends it out to the cloud. Um, their company, they grab the image, clip it, clean it up, um, pull the QR code off there, rename it, and shove it back to our servers. And that's it, right? And then the next step on this, which is what we're going through right now, the next step on this, what we're starting on, is that once you have that image, you can start sorting all these different log headers by vintage, the wireline company, um, what log was there, and start separating in all these buckets by these uh, self-organizing maps. And then you can start custom build scripts to start pulling the header information off of every single one of those templates, right? Mm -hmm. That's the next step. you know. And then at the end of the day, and I'm hoping we can have this by the end of the year, where you can go in or anybody, high school kid can go in, put a sticker on a log, take a photograph, and the next morning you'll have all the information off of there pulled on the website in the database and you don't have to touch anything. That's really the goal. And it's so it's not this if I understand it correctly, it's not you guys at Sabata necessarily having this app. It's almost like gig economy of anybody can go in and, and take an image yeah, of, of a log. That's the idea. Yeah. Yeah. So right now it's uh we're doing it internally. Um we've got, like I said, we got this pilot project with the Middle Energy Library. Um and actually I was talking to the operator today is the good thing is we build all the stuff internally. When we bought our own library, we're not going out there and trying to pitch this to other libraries. Like, dudes, like we're doing this on a million documents, right? Yeah. It's like we're going to test it out. We're trying to offer this to y'all, and we'll do this for free if you let us broker the data afterwards, yeah. right? What I'm really wanting to do, and this is what we were talking with the company this morning, is saying all these companies have these huge, a lot of times, warehouses of just logs and boxes, and they have no idea how to go through it. Saying, hey, if you want to broker your data, then let's go do that and we'll go start tagging all the paper data. <clears throat> or if you just want to have this stuff organized and we'll do it as a service, you know, mm -hmm. dollar, $2 a log and we'll catalog your entire system for you. And you don't have to touch anything, you know, and part of this, <clears throat> excuse me, where we bought this warehouse out in Midland is so we could even host the data. Right. right? So it's like, Hey, you got a barn full of stuff out in wherever, you know, La Misa or something like that. We can go pull it. And we call it tagging and bagging. So we can tag and bag the whole thing, resort it, um, put it in boxes, and we'll store it in our warehouse. Uh, and then you have all the log headers, everything on a map. And then instead of scanning 10,000 logs at $10 a pop, you just call us when you want to say, hey, I want this log, this log, and this log scan. All right, cool. We'll go pull it, out, pull it off the shelf, mm -hmm. scan it, send it back, right? Our big thing is you tag everything by rule. So we catalog by rule and we scan by exception. Because otherwise, you'll be in there 10 years trying to scan some of this stuff, right? Dude, okay, this is fascinating. And we have a limited amount of time, so I'm going oh, to run, <laughs> run through. I like this gig economy thing a lot. Is it, do you, or does somebody do that, say they're at an operator, does it do it kind of as you see fit or as you need things? Or is there any kind of like, I mean, I think a lot of people are laid off right now. Are you guys saying, hey, in the same way that maybe Uber or Lyft would, hey, there's a bounty for, let's just use that. San Juan Basin example of we're dark here. Yeah. We think there could be some data here. Yeah. If you're able to secure that, boom, $2,000 to, to whoever can secure this or a certain price per, per header or whatever it may be. Yeah. I don't know if you guys have thought about that or if that's how it works now. I'm just kind of curious because I think that's like yeah, that, well, and that's actually, a cool opportunity. Yeah, and that's what we're running through right now is because uh, right, like I said, in, right now we've been doing it internally because we essentially the QR codes are kind of our – I guess IP, I mean, it's pretty yeah. straightforward, but we print those stickers and everything out and we just mail them. Um, but yeah, I mean, honestly, anybody could do this stuff. Mm -hmm. And the idea behind this, I mean, what we're really building is that kind of the automation part of it. And frankly, the base layer data, right? I mean, because the thing is, is the more of the stuff you pull in, the more enrichment that you get for the database, mm -hmm. right? I mean, so a lot of this public data, like I said, we got a million well logs. Well, anybody can go pull those. 
but like how many people actually have a million well logs in the database where you can really lever off of because yeah. every log header and completion card and drill stem test the well name's a little different the operator changed the date on this the date on that maybe they put the wrong api in there you can really put these things together and actually get a real history of that well mm -hmm. um over the course of a long time because again we're focusing on everything that's dark i mean that's really what we're going after is the image files which are tough to mess with the paper data that no one even knows exists half the time i mean i cannot tell you how much stuff we find where those wells don't even exist in the railroad commission yeah i mean you've got great stuff in there and it's like i don't know maybe some of the big shops know about it but you know it's pretty there's some real gems out there you know so two questions first one about technology second about opportunities first question would be if you're able to scan all of these maybe eventually let's just say this is like phase five whether it be you guys or whether it be just, is this possible in general? I mean, are there opportunities to use, let's just call it machine learning of being able to see, yeah. if you're able to correlate that with, you know, hey, here's here's where it IP'd at, here's where the production was, 100%. using offset data yep. to where now it's like, I want to understand some opportunities, boom, this thing's able to spit out in a certain geographic location. Here's the highest probability of these, these are wells that maybe we should go back into or maybe, maybe wells that we should acquire. 100%. Absolutely. I mean, that is why, that is why for us getting the images and Im if you've got a physical, if you've got a physical piece of paper, an image is the fundamental unit mm -hmm. of data on there, right? If you get a good image, you can process it and do whatever you want to. So this, these self-organizing maps that like Geolumina is doing, I mean, that's what they're doing. I mean, we're building up our public well log set, 800,000, 700,000 raster files that we've clipped the log headers is our training data set so when you go in and take that picture with your iphone you've got a million a million image um, training set behind you that's mm -hmm. going to automate that right that's the big thing with and i'm not by no means an ml or an ai uh expert or uh, i barely know enough to even like you don't need to be you just gotta hire yeah. that person yeah 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 <laughs> and, and that's what and that's what those guys are for right but, um, but the idea is like you need more and more data. A, a lot of times those models don't really get out there or they're not really useful because you don't have enough data behind it, right? So you, okay, so that would be huge. First off, you're able to find opportunities. But there's also the parts of like there's so many areas that, you know, have never been logged. Is it possible and is there enough data out there to at least start the process of, I'm going to go back to another Google kind of analogy. You know, Google has, we have Google Earth. You can go and see the entire surface. Is there enough logs to where we can actually 3D model underground and start piecing together what the geology looks like? In it, you got logs here, you got logs here, you got logs here. Yeah. Is there is there enough data out there potentially even in some areas to kind of predict approximately what the geology would look like to see other opportunities? Yeah. Oh, 100%. I mean, that's essentially all static geologic modeling. You know, yeah. I mean, you have to have constraints with tops and stuff like that. But yeah. No, absolutely. Also, I know nothing about geology whatsoever. <laughs> so if these are dumb questions, let me know. No, yeah. So um, a lot of that stuff, uh, the big thing is like, obviously you have to get in a digital format, right? An image yeah. is an image, right? You have to convert it one way or the other. I mean, the holy grail of well logs is being able to take those raster files and really totally automate it. There are some mm -hmm. pretty decent algorithms out there, but it's still not perfect. It's still yeah. a very manual process. But yeah, I, I think the better thing, and really going, uh, uh, and actually we were talking about mud logging stuff earlier. Um, a good example of this is on well log all mud loggers are not created equal right some are mm -hmm. really good some you know they're at Waterburger, you know uh a month or two beforehand yeah. and they said screw this after two months and quit right and so a lot of times you, you get that mud logger name on those log headers right well once you start taking those photographs of there you can start pulling those mud logger names and if you really get to the point where you can automate this you can start seeing where that mud logger did all of their stuff for the whole basin over their career right yeah and you can start I mean, if you get to the point where it's like, all right, I like these mud logs, I don't like these, you can start ranking. Mm -hmm. uh, you can start ranking interpretations. Well, on on top of that, is there, okay, so you're ranking interpretations, you have data, but then there's also the whole other level of contextual data. Is yeah. there an opportunity for somebody who's going in, like you guys, or maybe you expand the platform to somebody else, of logs that you guys have analyzed, and maybe you're putting in certain types of notes of things that you've been able to to realize and 
yeah. maybe make that available to anybody else if they're willing to kind of show you their notes as well. And Yeah, 100%. So that's actually the really cool thing about uh, physical data, especially in these libraries. A lot of the stuff's been there for 30, 40, 50 years. There's tons of notes on these things. Now, you have to take mm-hmm. it off the grain of salt. There's a lot there. There's a lot there that you do not see in databases. Like D- DST stuff is really uh, – You'll see a lot of drill stem test notes that'll be on there and you go and look online and there's no mention of it whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Again, you have to take it with a grain of salt, but you know, you can do a lot of different things with it. So we actually internally, you know, we have not scaled this or we have not really done this robustly because it's frankly, it's hard to scale. Um, but we've already got a thing now where we make a flag like, Hey, is there handwritten notes in this? Yes. No. Yeah. Uh, a really cool one for us, our library, um, they used to allow people to uh, check out the well logs. And every time they did, they'd put a big red stamp on it with a date. Well, so our big thing is like, well, if you've got half a million well logs, how do you choose where to start, mm-hmm. right? Obviously follow the rigs, but okay, that's one way to do it. But then the rigs move all over the place over 40 years because the plays change, right? Well, for us, one real way to do it is like, if we're taking a picture of the log headers and every time a log's been checked out, it's got a red stamp. One really easy way to check for importance is how many red pixels are in that photograph, right? Mm-hmm. And if it's been checked out 50 times, it's going to have a lot of red pixels. If it's been, never been checked out, it's going to have zero. And that's a really simple way that's very specific to us where we can go through like, hey, this log has been checked out like 30 times over the course of 20 years. Like that's this is obviously a key yeah. well, right? And there's those little things like that, that every library and every collection is different because a lot of the stuff came from operators. Every operator does stuff different that you have these little subtleties that you can really kind of nitpick and stuff mm-hmm. once you get that little image associated with it. It's, it's pretty, I mean, it's like, a, I mean, obviously I'm data nerd. It's really cool because then you can go way down the rabbit yeah. holes on some of this stuff. You know, I think what's exciting about this is just going back to the basics of where we started the conversation. It's you're taking the industry essentially from zero to one. Right when it when it comes to to finding these types of things and being able to to simply index that, but then there's so much that once you have this structured data, there's so much upside. That I I think I mean we we've actually have these discussions internally a lot, and even with these libraries we've been talking to, I mean there isn't really any sort of data transparency out there. Mm-hmm. Most of the data that's available is either in big service companies where you really can't see anything unless you pay big money. Mm-hmm. To actually just to look behind the curtain, not even look at the data, just look behind the curtain, what's there. Um, but then there's an enormous amount that's just on paper or uh, locked away in files and stuff. So, you know, the big one, like for an operator is data trades, yeah. right? I want to go drill out here. Well, who's got data out there? Well, you know, Pioneer's got some wells. So we'll go call up my drinking buddy at Pioneer. We'll see if they got anything. It's like, well, you know, we only bought those wells a couple years ago from whoever, right? Joe Blow. Well, he died like, 10 years ago Mm -hmm. and he got those from someone else. And that's the guy that actually drilled them. And I heard that he's got them in his garage, but I don't really know. Right. And it's like, okay, like (laughs) you, you start, you don't even know where to start, you know? And that's what we're, what we're with these conversations we're having in is like, there really is no transparency. And if we can actually do what we think we can and what we're moving towards, I mean, just between our library, like Midland and, and Denver, we've got, close to six, seven million well logs. And that doesn't even count the completion cards. I was talking to a library in DFW yesterday that has seven million completion cards. Jeez. I don't think people realize our million completion cards uh, took up about 700 boxes, right? So we're looking at about 15,000 pounds Mm -hmm. of paper, right? I mean, it's the size of the prize out there is unreal. I don't really... think people really realize how much is out there and that's what we're trying to change i mean i've never been so excited about (laughs) geological data in my life yeah yeah i mean it's like it's it's pretty you're making me want to get back into it i already lost a lot of money once but you know i'm willing to gamble again the 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 bar the barriers for entry there's no way we would ever be able to do what we're doing with essentially five people or less without Cloud computing has gotten so much easier and so much more affordable, mm-hmm. right? And um, and like even just Python, like oh, everything we do, we use mostly open source stuff. Yeah. We've got eight virtual machines right now on Azure processing data 24-7. We are migrating a million well logs right now. 
and it cost me a whopping $1.52 an hour to do it. Jeez. I mean, that's nuts. It's insane. Yeah. I mean, it's absolutely insane. Like, you know, and I feel like when I was in the operators, we were doing some pretty hardcore reservoir simulation. Mm -hmm. You know, we got like eight CPUs and like 64 gigs of RAM. It's like, oh, dude, you know, this is like whatever IBM in the in the 50s, man. Like we're we're freaking rocking, you know. And then I get out and start looking as like at AWS when I don't have an IT team anymore. And I'm sitting there as like, man, like I can build the same machine in about 30 minutes on AWS. And it costs me like $1.25 an hour to run. And it's crazy. With the advances in technology these days and especially that exponential technology development curve, it's absolutely wild. So like, we're able, as an industry, we're able to do things the last few years that we've never been able to do before. hundred percent. And I don't think, and I think the biggest thing is, and I was just like this 18 months ago, I had no idea what was even possible out there. Mm -hmm. And frankly, I mean, I still don't know, but we're just barely starting to kind of look through the keyhole and realize like there's, I mean, it, the, I mean, we're going to process a million images this year. Yeah. If we keep on this trajectory, I'm expecting we'll probably go through 10 to 20 million next year. With with a company of less than ten people, that's not right. Dude. I mean, it's it's it's. I think it's wild. That's I mean, absolutely it's, wild. Yeah, dude. it's been it's been an interesting it's been an interesting eighteen months, to say the least, and it's getting more interesting by the day. Well, man, this so, is I could have this conversation for another three hours. This is so we're gonna have to have you back here soon, just yeah, to kind of continue chatting. Um, and we talked about your website earlier, so it is just sabata.us. Yeah, sabata.us. So S Sierra A B is in Bravo A T A dot us. And you're on LinkedIn, so everybody can oh, reach yeah. out to there. So Very Brian, Brian McDowell on there. Uh, we'll put all his information in the show notes as well. So if you guys want to reach out, uh, I have a feeling we're gonna be seeing a lot more of you soon. I hope so. Drown like hell. It's a great chat. Yeah, appreciate it. All right, guys, if you like the episode, uh, take two seconds, leave us a rating review. Uh, we will catch it. We have a huge, crazy 2022 event schedule. Uh, everybody's been asking about that. So we'll be releasing that soon. Got a couple more podcasts, new shows kind of in the works as well. So uh, be on the lookout for that. Subscribe to the BDE newsletter if you haven't checked that out. We'll catch you guys in the next episode. Cut, 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 cut.